0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per
1: usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? It's going pretty well. Um, Actually, I have some news for you. In the time that you were out walking your dog, between when we finished a, a little pre-recording session and recording this now, I just completed the whole draft. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> it was a good one, too. <laughs> Oh my god! I wish you could all see Zach's face. <laughs> I'm I'm flabbergasted. No, I've shame. never no, been. No, I, okay, shame. wait
0: for the, for the patrons or for sorry is, for all is. the listeners. Wow, for the it actually is a good draft too. Jeez, <laughs> for the listeners, oh, I man. was outside for a prob I didn't time myself, but that felt like about five minutes. Might have <laughs> might have been that long. I don't know how you no, got. No. Was this
1: quick draft? No, dude, this is traditional. I'm going to 3-0 with this pile. Look at this thing. Double Sigardian Paladin, four Parish Blade Trainee, double Traveling Minister, two Cloak Cadet, Angelic Quartermaster, two Griffwing Cavalry, three Griff Riders. This deck is sick. Let's just
0: get on with the episode. I don't know how you did that. I really don't. I've never been able to okay. get through a full draft that fast.
1: I promise I'm not going to play the games out mid-episode. I don't think I have the concentration for that. This is episode
0: number 74 and today is our Val First Impressions. We're going to walk through just basically our initial thoughts on the format and everything that we've come to find through the first basically week, seven days or so of of access to the format. And uh, we'll get right into that. But before we do, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not in the Discord, check it out. We've got a lot of cool things going on over there. A lot of chatter lately with Val being out and people are popping off trophies left and right. I still haven't gotten one, but you know, that's fine. My ego's only bruised and <laughs> it's, it's been going well. We've been having a lot of good discourse over there. So check out the Discord. If you haven't, the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you want to support the show, the best place to do that is on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft Huge thanks to all of our patrons that support us each and every week, and this week we want to welcome David to the crew, our latest patron. Thank you so much, David, for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and we'll get your stickers and thank you card and Vow Draft Chaff Hero out to you as soon as we can.
1: Yeah, thanks, David. We really, really appreciate it, and we, of course, appreciate everyone that supports us like this. Honestly, it, it, it means the world to us. Like, thank you.
0: All right, on to our crack draft type thing.
1: I've got a, a nice one here. It's a pack one, pick one, you know. Let's start off with a new set, kind of get used to things. Let's start off with Evolving Wilds. I like this card in this set. You know, it it just helps. It helps to have one, you know?
0: Yeah, pretty much every deck is happy to get one. Sometimes you want more than one. I think some decks are capable of splashing with some of those green cards that allow you to tap for any mana, and uh, Evolving Wilds obviously helps those scenarios as well.
1: Yeah, I found that sometimes when I'm at a uh, a bit of an impasse in a draft, if there's a lot of cards that seem close, and they all seem kind of playable, and it's like early in a format, I just don't quite know, and then I see that Evolving Wilds in the pack, I'm like, you know what? I'm always going to be happy to have in a deck. Let me just snag this Evolving Wilds and postpone the problem. Next up, Wanderlight Spirit. Haven't gotten to cast this one. I think I cut it from a few decks. What do you think?
0: I've cast it. The few times that I have casted, it's been pretty mediocre. Not yeah. being able to block ground creatures is kind of big because a lot of the creatures that are in the air aren't that big themselves. And this card doesn't really want to be blocking them anyway. And so, I, yeah, I found it to be generally mediocre. But if you're in a heavy skies deck and you don't really care about blocking, then, you know, go for it. It's it's certainly a curve filler, but very passable.
1: Yeah, this feels like it just takes the turn off against like a red-green aggro deck. What's yeah, the yeah, um... you just get run over. Yeah. What's the three drop haste? Something, something or other. It's the three drop two, two gives another thing plus two plus oh and haste and it gets haste. And like, if you just, if you just play a wanderlite spirit, your opponent is cracking for a ton of damage. Yeah. Yeah. You just get run over. Next up is toxic scorpion. That's the one of the green one, one death touch. It gives something else death touch when it enters the battlefield. I've had some interesting experiences with this one. I've been using it I had a deck where I got to use the the dollhouse to bring back a Trampler, and then on the next turn I used the dollhouse to bring back the Scorpion to give the one creature Trample, and then it it was like a whole, or to give the the Trample creature Death Touch, that is, which is a great combo. It it was a whole big thing. That's a very corner case. This is, it's okay. It's fine. A little weird, these 1-1 Death Touchers usually are pretty defensive, right? But that whole giving another creature Death Touch that only happens in your turn. That's clearly meant to attack with something, right?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Honestly, I haven't played much with the Toxic Scorpion. The other Death Touch creatures in this format have been quite good. Um, namely, the Scavenger mm-hmm. and uh, the whatever that other one is. I can't, can't remember uh, Fell Stinger? Yeah, the Stinger. They're both fantastic. This one just seems a little bit less so. And I don't know why, because the other ones are a bit beefier. They cost a bit more. Maybe it's the extra added value they get. I mean, Stinger draws you cards and uh, scavengers doing the drain thing seems a bit more valuable than just giving something else death touch for a turn.
1: What if I told you our next card was one of the top contenders for best green common in the set?
0: I don't know because you haven't told me what the card is yet.
1: Well it's snarling wolf so it might be hard to believe.
0: Yeah yeah it is pretty surprising that this card has been up there but I think just the added value that it gives of being a one drop that scales. A little bit with the game and also just being a relevant creature type the wolves and vampires obviously with the kind of mantra of the set are the two creature types that matter the most although humans is also one that matters as well being a wolf is pretty big because it can get buffed by a handful of other things and it comes down really early and just, just continues to scale so i think that's probably why we see that plant performing so well and maybe just The overall red-green decks in general are doing better than anticipated or currently getting hooked up better or something like that. But yeah, Snarling Wolf has been very good, but not a card I'm looking to first pick.
1: Yeah, uh, I am referencing the game's played win rate over on 17 lands. Uh, Hookhand Mariner, that's the 4-4. Wolf Strike, the good removal spell, and Snarling Wolf... They're all around 55%. Hookhand Mariners at 55.1. Wolf Strike is at 55.0. And Snarling Wolf is at 54.9. So a surprisingly tight race. I mean, it's still early in the format, but we're starting to get a lot of data in on these commons, and it's looking like uh, like the Wolf is, you know, way better than in the previous set. Turns out a, a 3-3 just kind of matters. And attacking early, like you mentioned, yeah, it's got threat of activation too. Next up, we've got Ragged Recluse. Nah. <laughs> it's getting blood, I guess.
0: It's fine in the life gain or sorry. Yeah, the blood decks, but even the backside isn't like tremendous. Most of the time I find that you do the work to get this flipped and then it's a three three that you want to attack and then you can't actually attack with it because your opponent plays like a one four or I mean, I guess in that scenario you'd attack with it. But you know what I mean? Like it just gets it seems like it gets shut down enough that the ability on the backside doesn't actually matter. And then it's just like a dumb three three.
1: Yeah, you'll put one in if you're playing like a heavy blood deck, right? Yeah. If you can just make a ton of blood tokens, but it's not impressive. Uh, Militia, Militia Rallier is next. That's the two and a white 3-3. Three, three. can attack alone whenever it attacks. You can untap any, a target creature. Uh, I've gotten to do some cute things with this. You can untap Mana Dorks with this, which is a really fun little interaction. Not that these usually see too much play in the same deck as Mana Dorks, but occasionally it'll happen. It's an aggressive white human. If you want it, you want it. It's a 3-3. Three, three. That not attacking alone does come up sometimes. You have to be careful with how you sequence this thing. You sometimes don't want to play it on turn three if you think they're going to kill your two drop. You know, if if they're if they're leaving up that mana uh, to potentially a braid and they're looking to play the long game and they maybe have like a four four in hand or something, they might just go, okay, I can keep that thing at bay for a few turns. Uh, I'll tap it down or something like that. Uh, So there's some risk involved here, but it's usually just a three three with upside.
0: Yeah, I had that happen to me today. I, I went Parisher into Militia Rallier and they just used the shock on my my Parisher and I was just like, oh, okay.
1: Next up, Lacerate Flesh. Four and red sorcery, deals four damage to target creature, Create a number of blood tokens equal to the amount of excess damage dealt to that creature this way, which is kind of funny, but, you know, this will sometimes get you a few blood. I mean, you don't often want to spend a five mana kill spell on like an X3, but at least you get a little bit back for it.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're in dire straits, you're like, sure, I'll fire this off. But like, when do you ever want to use the spell to get the blood? Like, you just want to kill the thing with four toughness. You don't want to get the blood tokens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if you need to do that, you can. Just the five-minute deal fours are just, just so bad. much worse just than the deal like fives. Yeah, I, I've put one or two in my decks before, and they've—it's a removal spell. But when they've got a five-five and you've got this in hand, it's an embarrassment. Also, I didn't realize it was a sorcery because the last like four or five of these effects have been printed at common. So one time, I, I my opponent had like a six-six and I had a three-three in this, and I was gonna I was gonna do two for one myself, and then I wound up just having to chump with my three-three because three I realized, wait a minute, I'm just gonna die to this, and this is a sorcery, and uh, <laughs> it felt pretty bad. Next up is a slightly better removal spell. That's Gift of Fangs, one black black a creature gives it plus two plus two if it's not a vampire or sorry if it is a vampire and if it's not a vampire minus two minus two do not put this on a vampire do not put this on a vampire do not try to kill your opponent's vampire with this i i came dangerously close <laughs> you know I, I wonder if there's a warning thing I, I don't know
0: yeah i would expect there probably is like a hey do you are you sure you want to do this Kind of screen, yeah. But I've actually never seen anybody cast Gifts of Fangs as a removal spell. I've only ever seen it put on vampires. Like my opponents will put oh. it on their own vampires, and it's been remarkably good in those scenarios.
1: Yeah, it's it's flexible. It's one mana, and when it is a removal spell, it's it's really nice. I like using this on the Shield Basher, the the four two. Or the, uh, what's the other one? The, the little dude that makes 1-1 uh, one, one flyers when you cast on creature spells, the format of 3-2. But there's some high-impact X2s in this format, and Gift of Fangs just wrecks them. And the Festivities is next. 1 red for a sorcery, uh, it's a common. It deals 1 damage to each opponent and each creature and planeswalker they control. This card is garbage. I had an opponent play 2 copies of this in a red-green deck against me. Uh, I was on green-white humans. And I have to say, it, it does make uh make short work of the the one recruit. What's that thing? Um, the royal recruit. Yeah. It just it just destroys royal recruit the turn you play it. But besides that, uh, this wasn't very impressive. This just does nothing.
0: No, it's like an okay sideboard card if your opponent is on like mono wizard uh, whispering wizards. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> yeah. They're just yeah. generating
0: a ton of one one flyers, but otherwise, it's it's just not playable.
1: This will be my first uh, mention of the fact that I, I'm really loving best of three in this format, and I could see signing this in in an appropriate matchup if they've got a bunch of Griff Riders and, like you mentioned, 1-1 X 1 Flyers, and that type of thing. Next up is Bramble Armor. Okay, so the wolf is better in this set. Is Bramble Armor? Haven't seen it played. Yeah, me neither. I think I saw a screenshot on Twitter floating around of someone with, like, three Blood Petal Celebrants and then two Bramble Armors, and that's that a good, good use of an equipment. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. A a four power first striker is sick, but no, uh, I'm not quite willing. I'm coming close to putting one in this green white deck that I was uh, I was drafting a little bit before the show. I I could consider tossing one in there to really help with the training, get some some beef going in the early game. But nah, I'm off this, especially when it sometimes gets blown up by our next pick, our first uncommon uh, saw blade slinger before we get into it. Pretend you didn't hear that. What's your pick out of the commons?
0: Out of the commons, I think... You know, I'm, I'm honestly not very thrilled with any of them. Yeah. I might just take Gift of Fangs or the Scorpion or maybe just the E-Wilds, maybe Snarling Wolf because <laughs> of its numbers. But like, none of these are exceptional. I'm really hoping the uncommons or rare are going to pull through for me.
1: I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I would probably take the Gift of Fangs here or maybe the Snarling Wolf. I, I hate to say it. Our first uncommon I mentioned is Sawblade Slinger. That's the four mana, four, three. When it enters the battlefield, you get to pick one. You can have it fight a zombie your opponent controls. Or have it destroy an artifact and opponent controls. I've uh, I've cast this a few times. I haven't actually had it do either. I was still pretty okay with it. A format of 4-3 is pretty beefy, and it trains really well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, next up is a 4-drop that I would be unhappy to put in any deck. It's Into the Night. 3 in a red for a sorcery. It becomes night, which is just awesome text. Like, that. that's pretty sick. Gotta, gotta hand it to them there. Discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards plus 1. I just don't really understand why this... Is a card in the set? I, I don't think this is playable, right? No. Next, we've got Ballista Watcher, two red, red, four, three, Human Soldier Werewolf. You can pay three, tap it. It deals one damage to any target. Over on the back, Ballista Wielder. Uh, now instead, it has the activated ability two in a red. Notice the tapping has been removed. Uh, it deals one damage to any target. A creature dealt damage this way can't block this turn, and it's a 5-5. Five, five. This thing is gross. This card is really sick.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really solid in the decks that want the wolves thing and can actually do that. I mean... The one thing that I think this set has going for it that Midnight Hunt didn't is that there are actually a lot of wolves that have good activated abilities that just want to sit back and let you do the thing, which is not cast any spells and flip it to night. So this is one of those payoffs when you can get it to be night. I I guess this would be my first pick here, Mm -hmm. but I still don't think it's thrilling.
1: Yeah, I have liked this card quite a bit. I I like that note about the werewolves. I think, what is it, Child of the Pack? Yes, Child of the Pack is
0: nasty. I lost to an amazing board state from both players perspectives to two child of the Knights that I, or child of the packs that I didn't realize have trample on the backside. I (laughs) I had exactly lethal or I had exact enough to keep me at one when they were attacking me and they removed one of my creatures. I didn't, that was blocking their Uh. child of the pack that was flipped and I didn't realize that it had trample. So I lost.
1: Yeah, that's another one with an activated ability, like you said. I, I faced a very scary opponent that had both a Ballista Watcher and a Child of the Pack at the same time, and they just got to pick and choose. I looked at my hand, and I had a I had a Royal Recruit in my hand. I was thinking, wait a minute, I just play this. They kill both of the creatures, and if they look at their hand and decide not to, they can just make a 2-2 instead. Like, they, they really have a huge control over this game just from these activated abilities. Yeah, that really is the strength of the Werewolves in this set, and I think that's why they're a lot better in the last set. Well, anyway... Um, can I interest you in a Holebreaker Horror? Why did we just spend all this time talking about this patch? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you wanted to talk about Evolving Wild somewhere. Maybe you're really passionate about it in this set.
0: No, we're slamming the Holebreaker break, whole Horror here and getting on with our lives.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, In case anyone was wondering, that's five blue blue. It has flash. It's a, I don't know, what's it, like a seven seven or something? The power and toughness don't matter, but uh, the text says it can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one. Return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Those are your two choices. So if you can cast this, if you can get this thing to stick, anytime you cast a spell, uh, you get to either turn your spell into kind of like a little remand effect, where you get to let's say they tap out for what is it, Grizzly Ritual, the, the, the kill spell, the, the six mana kill spell. Uh, they try to kill this at sorcery speed. You're like, nope, uh, I'm gonna cast an instant. I'm gonna cast like Shock or something. Uh, kill their creature. It returns that kill spell to their hand. Now they got to wait a whole other turn for it. Or if they have a creature like a five five, bounce it. Or, if they're trying to double-block this, cast a combat trick on something else, block it, and then bounce one of their things. It, this card's a mess. Like, it's really difficult to lose with this thing out.
0: Yeah, you can also bounce your own stuff, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually had that situation come up while playing with this. Someone had locked down one of my creatures with an aura, and I just bounced it back to my hand and recast it. The game didn't really last long enough for me to recast it, obviously. Uh, by the way, it... Uh, it is a 7-8 because sometimes this thing will actually get to deal damage and the game continues after it's cast, but it's a very rare occurrence.
0: Well, with that, on to our Teferi Tybalt. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So Ben, Teferi Tibble.
1: Let's start it off with my modern deck, which is slowly coming together. I'm finally picking up all these pieces that I need. My local game store keeps on sending me emails that there's like modern 1Ks happening a bunch of weekends in the near future. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something I'd be interested in going to. So I'm slowly putting together the last few pieces of uh, my my black-white Stoneblade deck. And yes, I'm playing Grief Ephemerate because I'm a monster. And I know it's fallen off the meta a little good bit. Grief. It was never really tier one. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, good grief is right. Grief is good. And honestly, what I like most is that it's kind of fallen out of meta a little bit, so I'm going to be able to really get people. Am I going to die to the monkey a bunch? Yeah, sure. But I guess I have to buy some some Solitudes for that too. That card is spiked. Oh god, I gotta buy Solitude. That's a pain. Anyway, I think I'll probably head over to... Uh, I'm probably gonna do a bunch of the, the cards that I need. I'm gonna get them from Cardsphere. Because, you know, Cardsphere is great. Shout out to Cardsphere. We're not sponsored by Cardsphere. We're just friends with them. They're, they're pretty great. <laughs> yeah, speaking
0: of, I am also building my modern deck and uh-huh. still still putting spirits together, trying to pimp it out, make it look all pretty and such. And I've got a few things in the mail from Cardsphere uh, coming my way, getting the last of, I think, actually not the last, the third of my Aether Vials and uh, the last of my Counterspells that I need. So
1: Nice, nice. I, read, I had some really fun trophies this week in draft. I had some really fun games. Uh, I've really been liking traditional draft in this format. I'll save my, my ramblings about that for later, uh, when we're actually talking more, you know, magic stuff. But I've really just been uh, having some fun games. I, I had an opponent, speaking of a hullbreaker horror, opponents playing green-white humans against my green-white humans deck. And they, they were playing some mana sources. They had, like, the artifact that taps for mana of any color. And I noticed they played an island. I was like, that's kind of strange. We had a board stall. No one was attacking on one of my insteps, they flash in Holebreaker Horror, and I just kind of stare at the board like, what? <laughs> this is a green-white humans deck splashing a Holebreaker Horror? Are you joking? It was awesome. I-, I actually did have the kill spell for it, and the game got to continue. But uh, honestly, if, if they had a single instant speed response, the game would have just ended. Uh, it, it was a fun one. So th- this format just been finding it really fun. My table this week pre-release was kind of meh. I, I went to one with a pretty mediocre deck. My games weren't particularly fun. It was just kind of a, a pile of trash rares. It, it, it was whatever. It, it was <laughs> I, I joked to one of my opponents that I was I was a long time friends with that my my board state looked like a 25 a cent rare bin. <laughs> because I had just a bunch of trash on it. <laughs> but they were all rares, but just not doing anything. A- anyway, it, it was it was okay. It was 2-1. Someone so actually, uh, the, the most memorable part of pre-release was the moment that I got there. It was a windy day. Somebody pulls up next to me, and when they open their door, uh, it just slammed right into my driver's side door and just left this nice big scratch. Like, paint came off and everything. Oh, and I just no. kind of look. I look out the window to my left, and I'm like... Are you serious? Like, like what? Like what's going on here, dude? I have a white car. And that ugly purple, oh, it was not a good look. That, that car was a mess. But, you know, perhaps if they're listening... Shout out to whoever you were, because they ended up going in and playing in the tournament. And I was just oh praying that I would get to crush
0: them. <laughs> Wait, you didn't collect like insurance information or anything?
1: It, it didn't leave like a, a big ding or anything. Actually, I wanted to I wanted to put this out to the to the listener. What would you do in this situation? Like, cause I was I had a few thoughts. I had a few options. I thought about it, but I, I tried like rubbing it off. I saw that it would probably come up with like acetone or something. An annoyance, yeah. But not like a $200 bill or anything, probably closer to like 30 or 20. You'd be had to surprised go by
0: sometimes getting, I mean, it depends on the damage, but like paint on cars can be expensive if you needed to get it repainted or something.
1: Yeah. This just looked like the, the, the purple had rubbed off on mine rather than, than like a true chip in the paint or anything bad. But I did have some, <laughs> let's call them ethical gray area questions. Um, so here's the thought that went through my head and I, I opened this up to the listener in the discord to, to uh, shout out what you would do in the scenario. A a possible scenario that I had that ran through my head was when going in, because they went into the local game store that I was going into, would it have been acceptable if as they go up to pay, I kind of walk up next to them and say, oh, uh, these gentlemen offered to pay for my entry because of the damage they did to my car in the parking lot, and then just kind of look at them and then then see what they say. Like, what do you say to that, right?
0: That's a dick move. (laughs) like. If I were watching, I'd be laughing. Like, I don't think I would, I would be upset with you as my friend
1: doing that, but it's a dick move. Yeah, yeah, it's awful, right? I know, but at the same time, in the parking lot, I, I got kind of flustered and I I don't really get angry that that at all. I just kind of get, like, upset a little bit internally. But I just told him in the parking lot, like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, be more careful next time, <laughs> which is uh, probably a more reasonable reaction than most people would have, I think. But I was thinking, like, Man, this is probably gonna ruin my night a little bit. And it kinda did. It kind of soured my mood. Um, that and my my unfortunate pool. But anyway, I was praying to play against those people and uh I I didn't go through with that plan, obviously. I do think conceptually it's really funny that I could It's could've. hilarious. Um. Oh, it's hilarious, it's just a dick move. <laughs> and while I'm up there, I'm like, oh, they also offered to buy the the copy of that that modern monkey that's seeing a lot of play. What's that card called again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> anyway what's new with you this week
0: well before i jump into that i'll save a sort of car accident-esque story that's similar to that for our sign off I've, okay. I've got one that's okay. kind of similar but for me it's fairly fairy um actually one of them was waiting on some mail Um, waiting on a couple of cards to get here from card sphere and hopefully those will be soon i ju- actually just looked into it and i checked um one of i think the aether vials coming from canada so that's fun wow Yeah, I'm excited because I really have been kind of working to pimp out my spirits deck, but I have basically never played it in person. Like I've played reps of it online, but um, I would really love to get out to some of those events as well and kind of just see if I can't get my feet wet with it a little bit because I've been spending basically over a year now putting the deck together. Yeah. And my other teferi this week is that I finally kicked off my personal YouTube channel, which I've been mentioning a few times on the show. And if you're in the Discord, you probably saw me post about it in the community content channel. It's been a lot of fun. It focuses on sort of personal finance and just trying to walk through my journey of paying off all my student loans and how I went about that and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, you can find that. Just search my name, Zach Hackett, and you'll you'll find it. I don't have enough subs yet for it to have its own channel name. So <laughs> I'm not gonna bother listing out the weird string that it gives you. So that's my fairy My tibble is that I ha- don't really have enough time this week to do all the things that I want to do leading into Thanksgiving week. We we took our dog to get uh groomed or to get a bath really we didn't she doesn't need to be groomed but she needed a bath and we took her to get a bath and the place i took her to i thought was pretty close because i I live in a very small town it's one square mile and so everything is walkable and i'm thinking like oh this place isn't that far but i realized like after i started walking there and i'd already made an appointment and stuff i realized it's literally as far from my apartment as you can get on the one side of town so it was like a 20 minute walk each way and Uh, it ate out like yeah it ate like you know, two, almost three hours of my day that I was planning to use on other stuff. So I lost some time. I need to figure out how
1: to recoup that. I hate it when like little things kind of end up taking a, a whole a whole chunk out, you know?
0: Yeah, well, the worst part is it's not like I needed to go to this place. There are like a dozen other groomers in this area and there's a few yeah. that are like, Two minutes or five minutes from my door. So I was just a little bit frustrated that I didn't, didn't spend the time to figure that out ahead of time and would have saved myself three hours, but eh, it, it's okay. So, with that, on to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Andy. Welcome back, Andy. It's good to see you in the Discord again. Uh, always a pleasure having you in there and chatting up. So, questions from Andy, and the question is Any advice on preparing for the arena open? Yeah. So, this time around, our arena open is draft. We've got draft two days in a row, and it's it's not quick draft from what we understand. Mm-hmm. It is basically traditional draft. Now, you can do premiere on awesome. the first day, so you do have the option on the first day of best of one or best of three, and the first day is December 4th, so if you're interested in playing the arena open, as I would expect all of our listeners to be, put that on your calendar, December 4th, and then day two is December 5th, and obviously you have to qualify from day one to make it to day two, but it is Innistrad, Crimson Vow draft and then yeah day 1 you can pick best of 1 or best of 3 so in terms of prep draft a lot is my best mm-hmm. suggestion
1: yeah and i guess practice human drafting weird as it is to say that this is a bit of a shift that this is a high stakes human draft and a lot of people may have just never gotten much experience with that so definitely kind of focus a little bit on signals and and how people think it's a hard thing to practice for because obviously the skills that you get from reading a certain kind of signal once will never happen again. Uh, You'll never sit with that same pod again, so no two pods will crack the same way. But there are little things here and there, noticing when you get a a late thing or noticing what wheels, paying attention to these little details, these tiny edges that, you know, we tend not to focus on too much because, you know, there's bigger things like making sure you have a cohesive deck with a solid vector and, and a good amount of strength behind it. But this is where you can start to really fine tune and say, okay, well, uh, how do I go about this? And I suppose if you really wanted to get uh, some some better practice, you can fire some bot drafts as well, maybe through a draft simulator or something of the sort. But... You know, uh, I, I agree with Zach. Probably the best way to prep for this is just uh, a bunch of drafting.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the one part, right? Is getting getting your draft skills down and understanding signals and all that kind of stuff. The other piece is to play a lot of games. And through Arena, you can do that by saving your decks and then posting them in the Discord and trying to get people to, to jam some games with you uh, with decks you've already drafted so you can get more reps in with them, understand better how certain decks work and what makes them tick what they're missing, things like that will will help as well in terms of prep.
1: Mm. We've got a little over two weeks, so by the time this open comes around, we should have a pretty solid handle on the format. Stay up to date, stay informed, see what the content creators are saying. Check out some people on Twitter, you know, the the, the big names that jam a lot of limited. I, I dare say we have some good takes, too. But, you know, we might not be the most spiky of people. You know, I, I think I, I might not be able to play in this one. I think I have plans on the fourth and fifth. I, I might have to shift some things around. I got to make this happen. I can't pass up a draft open, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, to be frank, like we want the numbers for this open to be as high as possible, because if they're better than other ones or better than standard opens and things like that, they're going to keep bringing them back. So definitely if you have the free time at least jump in for day one
1: mm-hmm. so you're saying i should buy in uh, and then not play it and then just you know show pay pay with show them with my wallet right <laughs> and then uh just bounce yeah it's mm, not what i'm saying but i
0: guess it's <laughs> better than nothing in yeah. this case because it's something yeah, anyway want. i don't know
1: we've got our first impressions for crimson vow so now that we're about like i don't know what a week or how long have we been in this format it came out like it's we a ago, week ago right yeah Let's talk about what we like, what we dislike, everything in between. I love this format. It's a lot of fun. This is a unique one. It just feels refreshing, especially after Midnight Hunt where we had some mediocre archetypes. This one feels like everything actually kind of got there, got there with an asterisk, but it's nice. Every card draws a card, you know, like every card draws another card when you set your vectors right. When you, when you have these narrow decks that work well, like the, the good decks in this format are insane. Like they, you can draw your whole deck if you want to. And if you don't want to, you can find other ways to manu- like figure out how to find value off of that. Whether it's uh, sacrificing blood tokens or putting counters on things or, or having like a human's tribe or a zombie's tribe or like a, a graveyard theme or a mill theme. There's so much happening here, and I feel like they kind of got there on all of it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially coming off the back of Midnight Hunt, it's very interesting to me, given that they're set in the same plane. And yes, we're, we're not drafting in a block or anything like that, but I was skeptical that it would be so different for Midnight Hunt as it is because I, I've kind of just felt they were going to be a lot closer together, but it really is. It feels very different, which is a great thing, especially given that Midnight Hunt had very polarizing archetypes. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Pretty much everything here is comfortably playable. Like you're pretty happy to be in just about any deck when they come together. And I think... Pretty much all of them do come together pretty often. The only one that I've seen some back and forth on is blue red. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But I guess if I had to name top contenders, I would say blue black seems like it's still up there, but certainly not as powerful as it was. And red green actually seems quite powerful. And then black red being the probably probably blue black and black red are are the top two.
1: But Mm -hmm. with my usual bias, I've been liking white quite a bit. You can draft a pretty heavy creature deck in this format, which is nice because Thalia exists. Uh, you can,
0: that's actually, you know, that's actually very, very worth mentioning because I've noticed without trying, I am often drafting like 15 or 17 creature decks without even trying. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they cut incident sorcery slots to play disturbed creatures, maybe in terms of Hmm. how they broke down the set, because those now turn into non-creature spells. So maybe they were able to cut some of the typical non-creature spells, but yeah, I've seen without trying like easily 13 plus creatures.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty non-blue mage. So this might come as a shock, but I usually play that many creatures, and I've been playing even more. So sometimes I'll have a deck with only like four or five spells, and that's yeah. usually a little lower than what I prefer. I like to have some good removal, but removal is sparse in this format. There's only one or two good ones per color, and they get snapped up really quick. A braid has been very nice. The, the red removal in, has impressed me quite a bit, minus the uh, the five-drop one. The the one-drop and the two-drop one in a braid and flame blast bolt These two have been overperforming for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Removal's been weird in this format i feel like the good removal is great and then everything else is just garbage there's really no in between (laughs) like even uh some of the some of the removal spells that i thought would be really good turn out to only be sometimes kind of maybe good (laughs) yeah Uh, one of those being the the black one with cleave which i Uh, was expecting to be really good but i've every time i've played it i've had it be awkward at some point or another three damage just isn't really enough with a lot of these creatures that have like four plus toughness
1: yeah there certainly are some It's really awkward against something like werewolves where these things are sometimes like a 2-5 or a 4-4 and you look at that and go, uh uh-oh. Is this just three mana gain three life? <laughs> like that, yeah. that's not good. I've noticed with this sparse removal, blue really got the worst of it. Blue really just has to find other ways to, to go about winning the game besides like trying to lock things down, and kill creatures. I've been really impressed with Pill the Grave, which I totally knew off the top of my head, and Zach totally didn't tell me in the time that he edited it out from the from the video. Uh, so it's okay. It's you a blue
0: spell. I, I expect you not to memorize those.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that, that's your department, right? So I've really liked Show the Grave as a way for blue to kind of close out the games when pairing it with something else, especially when, you know, you can actually close out games in this format. I found aggro to be a pretty solid place to start in the, in the beginnings of a new format. I also just kind of gravitate towards aggro these days anyway. So I've really been liking white decks. When every card kind of has intrinsic card advantage, like I mentioned, and this was a topic from last set too, when every card in a way draws a card, then playing aggressive creatures gets better because these aggressive creature decks are the ones that can leverage those extra cards best and uh, kind of build off onto the board with them. So for example, if you have, what's the the 3-2, the Spore thing, whatever that thing is. Spore Crawler, that thing. So the 3-2 dies into a card. I've been playing that pretty aggressively. You just start attacking with it they eventually have to block and you're maybe getting in for other damage too. They block that thing and they're kind of incentivized not to, so in that case you're just getting in for three. And then eventually they block it, you get that card out of it and then you get to play that card right away because you dumped your hand already because you're playing an aggressive deck. Whereas your opponent might be playing a slower deck, And you can really just get in there for a ton of damage before they can really use all the threats in their hand and really get one-for-ones out of all the stuff in their hands or two-for-ones or whatever. So when you're getting more value out of your cards by playing them earlier and just kind of churning through, dumping your hand and then making sure you have cards to refill and continue to dump your hand... Same general principle as last set with the white disturbed creatures or, or something like search party captain, right? These aggressive creatures get better when uh, when there's card advantage in the format. Card advantage and aggro that are that are paired together are a really solid combination.
0: Yeah, I think overall my favorite archetype in, in this format has been Mardu vampires, which I oh. wasn't expecting coming into the format, to be honest, but there's this really beautiful synergy that goes on with Mardu vampires when you can make it work in that there's a ton of life gain stuff that you can do with um, you know, some of the payoffs like the bystander, the white, it's a one and a white for I think a two two that lets you gain life when things die, and then if you gain three oh, life, it yeah, flips and yeah. it becomes a three five.
1: Yeah, you had a three five. It's not yeah. hard to flip, is it? And it gains death touch
0: <laughs> yeah. when you want
1: it to. Yeah. I like um, that card.
0: It's fantastic. And and then that plus Blood Synergies, Anya has been probably my favorite card in the set in terms of power oh. level and just what it can do. Yeah. I mean, it is just brutal to be able to lay out all these vampires have all these blood tokens, which are not hard to make in that deck when you build it right, and then just let, like, basically just stall out the board is the way I've been playing that. You get in for whatever little damage you can before turn four, play Anya, and then just sit back and let your opponent figure out how they're going to get out of this while you just <laughs> tick off damage at, you know, at their end step every turn, sack a bunch of blood tokens, and then eventually, mm-hmm. like, I had an amazing, I'll have to link it, I, I know I put it in the Discord, but I had an amazing game with, with an Anya deck where I attacked out, and oh, yeah, did a, but, like they try to do some blocks, and then I sacked like four or five blood tokens, sacked a bunch of creatures, and killed them for exact lethal. It was just a beautiful, beautiful game, and the those decks seem to be the most puzzly in this format for me, the ones that have the most going on and just the most interesting to play out.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a really cool two card combo in black, the restless Bloodseeker. That's the one and a black for the one, three vampire at uncommon Uh, at the beginning of your end step. If you gained life this turn, make a blood token uh, and you can sacrifice two blood tokens to flip into three, three that has a drain ability. That's, you know, that that's all well and good. But it pairs perfectly with the Gluttonous Guest, the two and a black 1-4 vampire. When it enters the battlefield, create a blood token. And whenever you sacrifice a blood token, gain one life. So across these two cards, you have whenever you sacrifice a blood, gain one life. And then also at the beginning of your end step, if you gain life, make a blood. You see how this yeah, works? So this is just an, it just goes on forever. Uh, and then you pretty much just have as much blood as you want to work with. By the way, speaking of card advantage, card filtering kind of kind of follows into that, right? So these black-red decks that are playing the more aggressive game plan They're able to sift through their entire deck really quickly and find exactly what they need. Maybe at, you know, card parity, not necessarily card advantage like some of these other decks can do, but you Know that's still good if it wins the game, it wins the game. You don't care if you're kind of churning through your deck and uh, your opponent's drawing cards if you just kill them before they can use them. But again, back to the black, white life gain deck, I gotta say, we, we nailed the traveling minister, right? This card is just great, yeah,
0: yeah, it's really good. It's super good at enabling those little life things because a lot of them, there are a handful of cards that care, like the bystander I mentioned, that mm. does care about hitting three life gain in one turn, but I mean all of, most of them care about is gaining life at some point. So this is a nice way to just tap gain one. Sometimes you'll buff a creature that ha, that is going to train something else so you can get an extra train trigger in. Yep. It, it really is a very versatile one drop.
1: Oh yeah, I had 3 of these out at once uh, one game. Jeez. And my opponent was playing some red green junk deck and it was just so tough for them to even come back. Like gaining 3 life a turn is a real like there's a rare in the set that does that, right? <laughs> like that's a real powerful effect. Uh, this pairs really well with Flyers, too, as a note. Uh, something like a, a Griff Rider, you can just turn into a, a really beefy threat. Yeah,
0: for sure. And then I think, you know, kind of kind of going through our show notes here, we we touched on this, but Blood Tokens are pretty big in this format. I mean, they basically give all of your cards cycling for mm-hmm. colorless, and we we know how powerful that has been. If you've played Ikoria, you you know about how powerful that effect can be. And then they also have all this upside, and that's another reason why I really like Vampires. It's not just this resource that lets you cycle your cards. These other cards have ways to use blood in different ways, like like Anya doing the drain thing. And there are a handful of different cards that care about that. The wedding security, where you can sack a blood to give it a 1-1 counter and draw a card. Like, there are lots of cool ways to interact with blood tokens that I didn't really expect. Blood Fountain has been a much better card than I anticipated it to be.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so really love any decks that can put together the blood things. Blue obviously hurts here a little bit because it really has no way to do anything with blood tokens. It does have a couple of ways to make them. But once they're on the board, all they're used for is is cycling your hand. So yeah, I would I love the decks that can use them for ways that are not printed on the card. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, a uh, Blood Craze Socialite has been one of my favorites. That's the three and a black three three Menace, and when it attacks, you can sacrifice a blood token. If it does, you get plus two plus two until on of turn. Oh, also, it makes a blood token when it comes in, so it spots you the first one. Yeah, this has been a really beefy attacker. This thing almost always attacks as a five five, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of the menace creatures in this format have been, well, pretty menacing. A lot of them are very hard to block profitably. Like sometimes menace, obviously menace is a keyword that enables that, but a lot of them in this set are either beefy or just have a lot going on. So I've been pretty pleased with any, almost any card that has the word menace written on it. Mm
1: -hmm. And when these slightly larger, beefier attackers are better, which I think they are in the set, effects like Sigarda's Imprisonment get a little better. We undervalued this one heavily. This card is a lot better than I thought. Uh, I'm happy to play like, Two or three of these in any white deck. This is the the two and a way aura. Enchanted creature can attack or block. You can pay five to an exile enchanted creature and create a blood token. And that blood token matters. Like I found myself taking a turn off to exile the thing that I put this on just to get that blood token, just for kind of efficient mana use in the future turns. Sure, there is downside when you play against the exploit deck. And again, another reason I like playing best of three. You really can change and tailor your game plan. I side these out against exploit. But again, this is a really powerful effect. Red-green werewolves just, just I mean, what do they do against this? Slap this thing on a 6-6 six, six, and they're just stuck.
0: Yeah, I had a player put this on my Anya once, which doesn't feel like the best thing to do. But then you think about it and you're like, well, they, they played this imprisonment on my 4-mana four 4-5. Four, mm-hmm. So they just eliminated a powerful attacker and a powerful blocker all at once. And they actually just started steamrolling me. They had two of them. They played on two of my bigger blockers. And then I wasn't able to block any of their other creatures proper, profitably. And I was doing the drain thing with Anya. But as soon as they were going to hit six mana, they could just exile my Anya and get their blood token yeah. and be on with their life. So it, it does seem like it's a lot better. We really thought exploit was going to be a bigger issue than it seems to have been so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why we were undervaluing that card, but it it definitely does seem to be better than we had anticipated.
1: Some of the top commons have been have been in black and red, and I think that's in, in big part to the the filtering that black and red have access to, especially from blood. Also, there was some some whisperings going around. Seventeen lands was I think posted something today, as of as of recording, talking about how it's possible that you can play eighteen lands in this format as you have such a reliable way to just cycle them away in the late game, especially if you're in one of these blood-heavy colors. I'm going to have to start messing around with that, maybe seeing if uh, if 18 lands is right. However, I've also played a handful of 16 land decks, these really low-curve, aggressive humans decks, which, you know, I tend to gravitate towards. So, awesome format. Uh, a lot of A lot of really weird stuff going on. <laughs> to be honest, I was getting a little worried. A lot of magic sets look like the previous set. Not in like an artistic sense or like an aesthetic sense, but in the in the archetypal sense. So, for example, for a few sets in a row, we had the two mana deal four to attacking creature in white. We had like the five mana deal five to a creature in in red, right? And and all these like kind of archetypal spells, and it just kind of felt like I don't know, you know, the Far Cry series of games. I know it. I've never played it, but I get what
0: you're saying, right? It's like yeah, just you're playing the same set with a different skin, like every set basically.
1: Yeah, for those that don't know, Far Cry has been milking Far Cry 3 for like, I don't know, the the past decade or however long it's been since that game came out. Assassin's Creed has had some similar problems, but uh, gaming talk aside. Yeah, I I got worried for a little while that we weren't going to get these unique designs, but this is a this is a unique design. Could it be pushed further? Maybe. Am I happy with how far this has been pushed? I'd say so. I do want to talk about bombs, which are maybe a little bit of a a mark on the format. You get these really interesting, interactive games where people are drawing tons of cards. I've had multiple games where I've milled myself out entirely, just drawn through my whole deck. Games often end at under 10 cards in library because both players are just drawing a ton of cards or milling or stuff like that. But then every once in a while, you have this really cool interactive game, and then your opponent goes, okay, uh, Dreadfeast Demon, pass the turn, <laughs> get another 6-6, six, six. what you got? And then you look at your hand, and you had been like cycling blood stuff, and making these little creatures, and attacking, and putting counters on something, or exploiting stuff, or, and then you just go, oh, wait a minute, they have 12 power in the air now, and I'm at 12 life. Oh, well, <laughs> it was fun while it lasted.
0: Yeah, I think you know it is worth mentioning... I don't feel this is a prince format overall. Mm. There are a few really powerful bombs like Dreadfeast Demon and sometimes Bloodvile Purveyor, but there are actually some pretty interesting ways to get around Bloodvile Purveyor. And then like Olivia's Mm. Attendance. And there are a few of them that are pretty bomby, but they are generally centered into black, it seems. Mm. And most of them are still, you can still deal with them. I mean, they printed Syncopate in this format. Yeah. It's a very easy way to deal with the demon. They, oh, you're you saying know, that
1: i have to play blue though so well that's a you problem you should <laughs> how's a green white blue? deck supposed to deal with this come on man <laughs> kill put them the,
0: before they cast it put the thing on the cigarty's imprisonment
1: yeah okay on one of them maybe but i, I get what you're saying but, but they, th- they there, there are ways that. to deal with it
0: there are ways to deal with it is okay, what i'm okay. saying yeah. so yeah. i i think there are definitely some bombs that can be like yeah i'm gonna i can't really lose after i've played this but you know, I've seen some horror stories with the Blood Vial Purveyor where opponent, like you play that on four opponent untaps, plays their fifth land, and then plays like two drop into removal spell and they you just gave them two blood tokens and you're just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that was pretty bad for me.
1: I still like it as a card though. I didn't realize yeah. that it got plus one. That whole, that whole nonsense about getting plus one, plus O for each blood thing, I never really... Like considered that. This isn't a 6-4 or what is it? 6-5? This isn't a 5-6. It's, six. Six. it's a 5-6, yeah. right? This isn't no, a 5-6. Like this is like a, an 8-6. <laughs> it's an 8-6. This is a 4-mana 8-6 flyer, right? Because uh, people just have blood tokens laying around. Sometimes they just have like 2 or 3 blood tokens just sitting around as is. So uh, I still like it. I still play it, and I still lose to it. It's a good card, but yeah, there, there's. It, I guess it's beatable. I think the bombs in this set. I started to see some people saying that they're too much. I I think they may just be like a hair much. I don't know. There's some there's some nonsense ones. The green hexproof. The the hole breaker. I've beaten right? it. I've beaten it. You know, actually, I beat the green hexproof too. The the avro caretaker. I did beat that actually. Hold on. So okay, okay. So and I did actually beat the hole breaker too. Okay, okay. So you know what. I think it's just a hair it's that they're just a hair too much. You know, because I've I've certainly had some non-games as I've also had some games where you do end up beating these awesome threats. I think they might have just hit a smidge above the mark where they were aiming. They hit very close to the mark as far as the bomb power level. In fact, I feel like I don't know what's in between a prince and a pauper. I feel like this is an uncommon set. Artisan? Artisan, I guess. There's some really, really high impact uncommons. Just a few that come to mind, School of Thraven, Fell Stinger, Laid to Rest. These cards that are super impactful in specific vectors. I feel like if you manage to pick up some of these, your deck just gets really, really good.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, we, uh, at least I mentioned at the format breakdown that I was putting in my vote for Draft DraftJaf Hero on Fell already before we got to play with the set. And I Think it's still up there in contention.
1: Like it's a really good card, but it has competition too. It does. You know? It does. Which is which is weird. And there's some even high impact commons. We're we're not talking like organ hoarders here. But a lot of these uncommons really feel like they they make the deck tick. Like the kind of the core of the deck. You pick up some of these. And you're just gonna have some higher card quality. These are what I would say, these are specific directional cards vector wise. These are very directional cards. Like you can't just put Fel Sting in a random deck or Thra- Arch School of Thraven or Laid to Rest, any of these. They, they all have like these specific synergies. Fel Stinger being exploit, Arch School of Thraven being zombies, Laid to Rest being humans. But if you can take these, if you can move in on them, I I suppose it's drafting the hard way, right? If you're able to really narrow in on your vector and manage your draft well, you can wind up with a very, very specifically direction deck. I had one in the beginnings of the format where I had two copies of Dying to Serve, and I made this absurd deck. It's unlike anything I've played Limited in, in. It was more like a cube deck than anything else because my whole deck was just based around how can I discard cards? How can I find ways to just dump stuff out of my hand so making a ton of blood getting a bunch of looting effects i played the rare card draw spell that makes you reduce your hand size and sometimes i cast it intentionally to reduce my hand size that i have to discard on end step to trigger dinosaur like that's awesome these are very very specific vectors though Uh, And I think for the most part, the uncommons enable them. So
0: speaking of these very specific vectors, let's dive into some of them. We'll coast through. I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of them already, so we won't dilly dally too much. And before we get into this, I actually want to throw out a little bit of a hot take here. Mm. I maybe not. Maybe not. I you know, I feel like the sentiment here is generally the same across the board. I've I've heard a few people say they don't like this format, but mostly people seem to be enjoying it i think they should have just printed crimson Val, like given us three months of crimson Val, and just ignored midnight hunt altogether like why did they bother printing midnight hunt
1: oh wow yeah that's uh that that's a good take i like it just forget that last thing this is the this is the real thing that last one that was the appetizer this is the main course right
0: like because i mean even from a standard perspective like they didn't print anything that seemed groundbreaking or like from a constructive perspective. This, this set seems to have all the fun
1: cards in it. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the cards in this set are starting to see little constructed stuff here and there. I don't know. Green, white got Katilda last set.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, this, this is really the impactful one. I don't think we're talking L drain levels, but there's certainly some powerful cards and definitely some ones that'll see standard play, possibly even older formats too.
0: All right. So our first vector we want to look at here is black, white. It's Probably one of the stronger uh, formats in the, probably one of the stronger decks in the format. We obviously, we talked about Traveling Minister, a very, very good card in that archetype. And I mean, not a linchpin, but it's a big enabler for it. So definitely try to pick those up if you're playing black, white. Uh, pairs really well with Flyers, of course, which the Life Gain deck has a lot of. There are a lot of Flyers in white this go around. So keep an eye out for those. And then obviously, when aggro is good, Life gain is just a good way to get out of that. We've seen that with the decayed tokens and how good life gain was to mitigate those things. I think we're not really starting on 16 anymore <laughs> like we were mm, in Midnight yeah. Hunt. You know, the, the artificial 16 life start, I guess. But mm-hmm. aggro is still a thing. You can still die pretty quickly in this format.
1: Yeah, as a as a part of that, that majority, that aggro bunch there. Uh, I will say personally that when someone drops a Flourishing Hunter or a Bramble Worm, I just go, oh man. Now what am I supposed to do? I start looking at my deck list and I go, do I actually have a way of killing this? Because if not, I might just be dead here. The the ability to gain anywhere from three to maybe six life off of these things, really solid. But again, with with life gain, uh, again, outside of the the green archetypes, just a black white itself, the, the courier bat. If you haven't had a term where you get to go gain a life with minister, play courier bat, Get back Courier Bat. Play Courier Bat. Get back something else. Oh, man. This kind of has a, a nice little flying sub theme. The Heron, the Bat. They're nice little commons. Uh, and you can soar over the skies, really put uh, your life total out of reach of the maybe beefier decks in the format. But this stuff happens fast. Like these are three and four drops and, and you can really start to get in, especially if you're buying time with a, a turn one minister.
0: Next up is Red Green. And Red Green is a little bit weird given that it's, vamp- it's, it's werewolves in the vampire set and... It also has some weird stuff going on in terms of the power toughness breakdowns, but it's definitely better and more fun to play than it was in Midnight Hunt. I mean, Child of the Pack is yeah. a real beast. We talked about the the Ballista Watcher, and Voltaic Visionary actually feels like a very good card as well. Pair that mm-hmm. with like Reckless Impulse, where, where you're getting these extra cards, because I think one of the big problems in Midnight Hunt was that Red Green didn't have all that much inherent card advantage, and I don't think it does here either. There are a few cards that do, things like Child of the Pack and the Wolf that lets you tap to deal damage equal to the number of wolves you have but you also get cards like reckless impulse where you just are able to fill your hand back up the next turn and and really just deploy out a bunch of threats so yeah i've been really liking werewolves i haven't actually been able to draft it myself but i've played against it a handful of times and it seemed to go to every single time
1: next up we got blue black And like Zach mentioned earlier, this wasn't quite the beast that we thought it would become. It's just, you know, fine, it's solid. And a a good exploit deck really starts to uh, feel like a well-oiled machine like I mentioned earlier. I think Fell Stinger is the backbone of the deck. I've been super impressed with this card. You really can get like five plus cards ahead of your opponent if you're able to exploit a bunch of stuff, maybe bring this back, somehow get additional value off the triggers or something like that. Skull Scob is a big part of that too. The ability for this thing to make a bunch of tokens go wide. I've seen a Skull Sky make like four plus tokens, you know, just churning them out, looking at whether the things get exploited. Some some of the, the better fodder for exploit, the Wretched Throng package, you can't go wrong with the Throng, I would say. You really can get four of these and, and it, they feel great. Uh, I don't think I would play two. Two just doesn't seem good enough. And three is dubious. But when you have four Throngs, Oh man, that's the sweet spot. Uh, I also have to shout out the persistent specimen. This card has impressed me. It's the one black one one for a skeleton. You can pay three to bring it back tapped from the graveyard to the battlefield. This is a nice exploit target, better than I thought, and while the Throngs you can eventually run out of, can't run out of this thing, it's going to come back and uh, fuel your exploits well into the late game. Uh, honestly, you can't deal with it, It's it just kind of makes sure that all of your creatures naturally get their exploit triggers.
0: And we, we talked a lot about red-black already, but obviously some of the, the cards that really fit into that archetype best are things like Blood Petal Celebrant, Gluttonous Guest has felt amazing in those decks... Blood craze socialite, wedding security, vampires, vegans—all of these types of cards have been very good. It's kind of a pleasant surprise given how bad werewolves were in the last set. I was a little nervous that vampires weren't going to be that great here, but yeah. they really are. They feel fantastic to play. You can build aggressive versions of the archetype. Like the the vector has an aggressive slant. It also has a kind of gum up the board sit back and just let me get blood value uh, blood is obviously a great mechanic to ensure that an aggro deck doesn't run out of gas because you can keep filtering lands and things like that probably the best deck in the format I, it just has all the actual powerful cards it's got the removal in a braid and bleed dry flame best bolt uh, hero's downfall mm. cards like that whereas the other colors really don't seem to have very much good removal wolf strike is the other one that comes to mind in terms of the other colors that's actually really good in just about every scenario but pretty much all of the good removal is sent in these two colors
1: next up green white counters and humans just a match made in heaven i could draft this deck all day and in fact i did <laughs> this deck might not be the strongest but it can get off to some of the fastest non-red struts in the format again i, I really do tend towards these aggressive decks in, in recent limited sets i mean if they're going to keep giving me cards with good card advantage built in i'm going to keep beating people's faces with them right I really like Laid to Rest. Uh, the, the humans themselves, like the actual creatures, they don't have a ton of intrinsic card advantage. They, not like Midnight Hunt where they had Disturb or they said draw a card or you could leverage them in interesting ways. The Laid to Rest kind of makes up for it as a single effect. I mean, there's not really ways to remove it. So once you stick that thing, then any of your, your humans dying just draws you a card. And naturally a bunch of them will have counters on them. So then you just gain some life too. Parish Blade Trainee feels like a pretty key component of this deck. And uh, I've, I've really been liking Griff Rider as well. Uh, note: I, I've gotten quite a bit of experience with this deck. I think you want to play two to three combat tricks, ones that affect power and toughness. Weirdly enough, uh, I've actually found Witch's Web and Massive Might. You want three copies total, I think, uh, of of some combination of these tricks. You can really get people, especially when people are actually trying to block in this format, trading one or two mana for their like four or five mana, two five or one five or whatever one four whatever people are playing. That's a good exchange.
0: And then the last archetype or vector we wanted to talk about here was blue red and blue red isn't one I've had the opportunity to draft very much but it's been probably the most I guess in flux vector of the art of the format that we've seen so far some people have been really into it I know I think it was Lord Tupperware tweeted that out of the nine blue red drafts he's done eight of them were trophies so there certainly is a way to build the deck such that it does really really well. I haven't been able to draft it myself yet, but it does seem that the power is there. You get a lot of removal in red, then you have cards like Cruel Witness and Whispering Wizard to kind of make value off of all of those cards, and then you can use things from, like, the artifact side to kind of slow things down and also keep getting value out of them. But I haven't found the secret on this yet. I- I'm not too sure if you've... Doesn't sound like you've really drafted it too much either.
1: Yeah, I had the one absolutely busted version where I was splashing for Anya and I had the, the whole breaker horror and I had all this nonsense removal. But that felt like just a pile of good cards. I, I was playing like a standard tap out control deck or, or, or like draw go control deck rather. That, that, that deck was awesome. But as for really making Blue Red tick, I'm not super convinced yet. I'd like to see some more people do it. Again, this is not my wheelhouse. I can crack a green-white deck in like two seconds flat. But again, this one, I'd like to see some other people. Honestly, if you keep trophying with it, toss your trophies in the Discord. If you have your insights, share with us because, you know, we're not experts. We're curious what you think. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, God, those idiots, they don't know how to play Blue Red and Val yet. Just Inform us, let us know, and uh, we'll be happy to hear what you have to say. Some miscellaneous notes on the format. The Blue White Skies deck can be pretty good. Lantern Bearer is a a real card. We were hoping it would be, and I would say it is. Uh, Seeing a turn one Lantern Bearer sometimes is a a grim omen, especially when it gets occasionally suited up. People are playing Auras in this format, which I find a little strange. (laughs) I don't know. Removal is a little sparser. It's a little weaker. So I think some people are starting to slip in their typical approach to playing Auras Unlimited. I don't. (laughs) But I mean, there's multiple four mana auras that I have seen people cast. And and I'm not talking about like, I'm not playing. Anyway, I'm I'm talking like high mythic or or high diamond tier. Like people are playing these auras, which is surprising, but uh, an interesting data point nonetheless.
0: Yeah. We also noticed that board wipes have been a little bit less great than usual. I mean, when all these cards are generating tons of extra card value or card advantage, your board wipe, like they've already done their work um sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll see that like there's a board i've I've noticed that the wolves deck can typically build out a big board pretty quickly once it gets going and so sometimes board wipes are pretty good in that spot i did play a deck with by invitation only which Mm. seems to be like the the board wipe in this set it's pretty much the best one and i had a sorin in that deck as well so it was able to generate flyers and and have some extra creatures but it's really hard if your opponent can keep up with you in terms of parity for that card to really be working. I mean, it's a board wipe. So just like any board wipe, you know, if, if you, you sometimes have that upside of being able to leave a creature or two behind. But yeah, it seems a little weird
1: when when your opponent's just like,
0: OK, well, then I'll just sack all my blood stuff, filter all these lands that are in my hand. And now I can redeploy before you get to because you just spent your turn board wiping.
1: Yeah, those haste creatures in the format too. some even at lower rarity. I actually played in my sealed deck I had by invitation only and Path of Peril, which I thought was sick. I thought I was going to play this cool, controlling, mid-rangey, blow up all your stuff. But every time I would cast a board white... It passed back to my opponent's turn, they would drop two creatures and I'd be like, Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. This isn't good. They've already gotten their cards back from from the creatures that they played, like you mentioned. I'm like spore crawler. Just just terrible. <laughs> if you're trying to board wipe and your opponent has a spore crawler, uh, you almost don't want to at that point, right?
0: Yeah, it feels pretty bad. Luckily, there aren't that many around. I think it's really just those two, right? Path of Peril and by Invitation only. And then there are some of those like mass like Vampire's Vengeance and stuff that like hit a bunch of things. But
1: yeah, I will say Vampire's Revenge has been awesome. I, I really like this card. I'm super high on it. You can build around it to break the symmetry really well. I mean, if you just play it in a Vampire's deck, it'll be good. Uh, but you can play in really any red deck. You just make sure you're you're playing a few X3s and make sure you have some vampires. You know, do a little bit of deck building thinking. You know, don't just toss this in a deck where you have a bunch of 2-2 two, two non-vampires, right? But if you can play this in a vampire's deck or in a deck that doesn't care about dealing 2-2 two, too two much, or even honestly just as a cheap board wipe, I found this card pretty tough for some of the other decks to beat. Uh, humans get really punished by this. And just kind of one last little note keep an eye out for good uncommons. They seem to be really good determinants of success for decks in this format. Just think about all the powerful ones we've mentioned just in this episode alone. Pick up those uncommons early, whatever they are, and, and lean into your vector. I think we'll probably investigate this more as the format plays out, but I'm, I'm smelling like uh, some pretty narrow vectors here. When you get When you go deep with uncommons and maybe even rares, you get paid off.
0: that does it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you spending your time with us and hopefully you've been enjoying Vow as much as we have. I I know Ben and I both have been really enjoying it and we'd love to hear about how you're enjoying it or not in the discord. So check that out if you're not in there already. If you are, be sure to say hello and let us know what you think of the format and also answer Ben's question from his Teferi about cars and stuff. And if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. That is the best place and really the only place to support us directly. And we really, really appreciate all of you folks over there on the Patreon who are helping us continue to do this day in and day out. If you want to reach out to us outside of the Discord, the best place to do that would be on Twitter. You can find me at Zach E. Hackett. You can find Ben at Betafish1. And you can find the podcast directly at DraftChaffPod. Thanks, folks. And we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving.
1: See ya. Okay, before we go... Uh, you got a car story and then I've got a, a hot topic to debate, but you
0: first. All right. So the car story I'll try to tell real quick. Uh, when I was in high school, I used to drive to school and sorry, I was fixing my sock. And (laughs) we, we went to school in a short town, Ben and I went to the same high school and, uh, traffic is very minimal during the school months in this town and i was driving and we got to a light and the light turned red i stopped at the light i was the foremost person in line at the light so i was going to be moving first when it turned green and i was turning onto for ben i guess you know it was like third street or whatever whatever road yeah okay i don't know right right there by the school and i was turning on making a right onto this road and i make the right And there's a bus in the middle of the road. So I could have, and then there was a car parked next to me. So I could have slowly eked by him, but I had Mm -hmm. moved quickly, made the turn, realized he was there and slowed down to basically a stop. But I was, it was like a rolling stop to, to let the bus do the thing. Well, the guy behind me wasn't paying attention. He was making the turn in an FJ cruiser, the big Toyota suv and i was in a small honda civic from 2000 and he rear-ended me and it was mm-hmm. one of those situations where if you've ever been in a car accident i'm sure you know that this this is how it kind of goes but when you're in the car and you get hit by another car it always feels much worse than it is like at least that's been my experience like it it, it felt like he completely destroyed my trunk like ran right through my car kind of thing it, it was a uh-huh. heavy impact my sister started crying I was flustered. I didn't really know what to do. So I just kept driving. Oh, didn't man, even stop. Uh, and then I got out of the car when I got to the school and I called my dad. and I was like, hey, I just got hit. He was like, did you get their information? And I was like, no, I'm an idiot. You know, <laughs> oh, that man. sort of thing. But it it felt like he had completely destroyed my rear fender. There was actually just like a little chip of paint, <laughs> not even a dent.
1: I, say, yeah, a I don't even I don't even remember this happening. So clearly it wasn't like that big. And I would have known if your car got destroyed.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't a big deal at all. But it felt like he completely destroyed the back end of my car. Huh. Well,
1: (laughs) I guess uh, what's the takeaway here? Car accidents aren't that bad?
0: (laughs) No, it's like maybe just get information. Like if somebody ruins your stuff, you should probably figure out how they can fix it in some way, shape or form. Um, If it's something expensive like
1: that. Uh, so you, what you should have done was go back and uh, ask the guy to buy you like a, a booster or like a a bundle or something.
0: Oh come recoup on, recoup that monetary I, a box value at least.
1: <laughs> okay, you could have gone for a whole box, I suppose. So one last thing before we let everyone go here: uh, uh, some some controversy has been brewing about Innistrad Double Feature, something that we were both pretty pretty hyped about. Uh, personally I was I was planning on buying a box I thought this idea sounded awesome it's like block constructed all over again and uh really (laughs) yeah so recently uh some trending topics on magic twitter people have been less than impressed with Innistrad double feature for a handful of reasons uh Some people going for the big conceptual route saying, oh, it's a shame people have to pay extra to just play block constructed like we used to in the good old days. That it's whatever. Magic is a game. The game changes. Like, sure, I could just I mean, if we wanted to, we could do like open two packs of vow and one pack of uh, hunt. Right. Or or vice versa. We can make our own block constructed here if we really wanted to. But this uh, this felt like a cool product to me it felt like uh oh i can i can buy this and then i can get the best of both worlds in one plus the pack breakdown is different there's like a rare from each set in each pack that's it yeah, i like it's, that
0: it's like eight commons four uncommons and two rares and it's half and half from each set yeah
1: yeah that those are going to be some really sweet decks I, in fact i would love to play that limited environment but then you look at the cards and that's where it goes downhill so the lands in this format have uh, have been a little maligned as well because people say, "Well, when you're looking at, I don't know, a, a plains versus a, a swamp, you cannot tell the difference. Especially if they're stacked in some way, you just cannot see which is which."
0: You're specifically talking about the Eternal Knight lands. yeah? They all look like mountains. Or, sorry, swamps. They all look like swamps.
1: They all look like swamps, which is weird. I mean, I, I like this black and white treatment, and the art on them is gorgeous. Yeah, but
0: I have said know, it. Before. I'm a little concerned. I've said it before. They're phenomenal art pieces. They're terrible game pieces.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to say it. Well, uh, what if I told you that every single card in Double Feature looks like that? <laughs> <laughs> I actually Did you haven't see the seen the image gallery yet. I haven't seen the image gallery yet. Oh man, have I got something for you? Check this out. So as as I'm scrolling through, just like so many of these beautiful art pieces with all this brilliant vibrant color these blues and whites and reds and greens it's just not there it looks like they just printed out everything in black and white and I get it I get what they're going for like a double feature horror movie where it's all in black and white and it's all old timey not old timey this isn't even that long ago they're just going for black and white films right
0: well so okay here's my two cents on this having just skimmed through the image gallery
1: I Mm -hmm.
0: I actually like this this uh, uh, this finish. Uh-huh. So what these have that the lands didn't is an actual colored border. You can still tell the colors apart. White is hard to tell that it's white because it I literally hate the is black ones. and white. <laughs> the white <laughs> yeah. ones suck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The white ones, it the the white border blends too much with the fact that the rest of the card is black and white, and it's hard to tell that it's white and not black. That much yeah. I totally agree with. All the other ones though, blue looks really good. Red looks fantastic.
1: Blue does look good. That's why I'm mad. The white ones look bad and the blue ones look good. That's that's the and real even reason. Even the I'm green saying, looks yeah. fantastic.
0: I love I love all of them except black and white. And the reason I don't like black is because it's purple and not black. And white looks like black cards because it is black and white. And you can't you can't turn something like black and white we think of as like a negative version of an image, right? Like there's there's missing information, mm-hmm. the color's gone. Yeah. And when color is like a huge piece of the game that you're trying to apply this to and then you take that away well it it like kind of breaks down the biggest problem i think that for me at least that i've also seen some people have with this is they promised that the art would look like reminiscent of horror movies they never mentioned that it would be we're just going to do black and white horror films (laughs) because there were a ton of different types of films that were black and white horror films don't have a monopoly on black and white films these are just black and white cards that have a slightly different border than usual and they don't have any sort. Of, I was expecting like, I don't know, something to feel more Frankenstein-y or to, to have new art or a new border that feels m- movie esque. These do not mm-hmm. do that. Like the, the fact that they played up the whole horror film thing is silly. My other yeah. complaint is that it seems like they just smashed the two sets together. They didn't actually like pick cards properly.
1: Is that, is that the mm-hmm. case? I don't know, I didn't look too much into it. They probably cut things here or there for, for size, right? They must have, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to worry too much about that. To comment on, on what you were saying about the, the aesthetics of them, some of these look great like by themselves. I'm looking right now at Cemetery Desecrator. That is a sick scene from like a zombie movie. But then you scroll up a little bit and you look at Blood Fountain. You go... Wasn't the main point of this the, the visualization of this piece like the vibrant red hues of the blood? This just looks kind of dumb. It just looks like a, a normal fountain. I can't even tell that it's a blood fountain, you know? I almost wish they had left little bits of color and, and gone for like a like a grayed out look rather than just like a fully black and white look. Some of these look sick, especially the ones that are very, um, I guess, already evocative of, of uh, old horror stuff. Something like Unhallowed Phalanx. Looks really nice. Uh, but something like Burn the Accursed, these electric revelation, th- these lightning effects and these burning and fire effects, they don't translate very well into black and white.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's 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 actually a really good point. I don't like that. Well, I guess they're artifacts, which is why they did that. But the artifacts are weird, too, because they lose the colored border. So it's just like a kind of stonework thing. I don't know. It Um, is a little weird and you do lose a good bit of like the value of the art by making them black and white. It's an interesting change. And I like these, I like this treatment better than the way they handled midnight hunt or the, uh, the eternal night lands. These are mm -hmm. still uh, ignoring the white ones are still noticeable in terms of what color they are. Yeah. Yeah. Also ignoring the artifacts because the artifacts, the colored artifacts are difficult to tell what color those are too.
1: You know what, maybe we'll get these in our hands and say, you know what, these don't look too bad. I'm, I'm sure the foils of this... Oh, they'll look um, beautiful. Like, foil foil leer in this treatment is going to look incredible.
0: You know what they could have done that I'm a little surprised they didn't and probably would have fixed everything? Yeah. Why didn't they just make the text the color of the card that it should be? Hmm. Like, then you'd actually have white text. The black cards could have a slightly white background or something and use black text. And then There's all the other cards... To be- yeah. Would have their color text. Yeah.
1: I don't or know, almost I if like they it had left, um, maybe this would take some work, but if they had left a little bit of the color in the art of like the color that the card or is. Just so looking at like, bit? yeah, like something like Consuming Tide. Because I mean, blue cards tend to have blue in the art. That's just kind of how it goes, right? Or, or like a blue feel. Consuming Tide have could had, had a little bit of bluish gray, you know? They should
0: have done, and I've seen like a handful of different art styles do this. They should have only left the color that associates with the card color. Right. So like,
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: Like, yeah, they'd, they'd have, but it would still be perfectly saturated and vibrant and however it was in the original art. It's just only those colors.
1: Okay. Again, white,
0: white would have the hardest time with this because white is white. (laughs) They (laughs) didn't, they didn't take that out, but like the blue things would have blue, like a blue highlight to them. Um, the, you know, I, I, it's hard to explain in words, but, um, yeah, Plus I get what what Actually, does this well with their rainbow foils.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I think I might still pick up a box of this. I think it'd be a blast if you and me and some friends could get together and, and draft this or do sealed or something. Like this would be a fun set to play limited with. Are we getting this on Arena at all or no? I have no idea. Oh well, uh, we'll figure it out eventually.